This is Sports Talk with Phil Cordblue, Chris Bergen, and Pat Daniel. Sports Talk is heard across the state on radio affiliates of the Sports Talk Media Network and is streaming live on SportsTalkSE.com as well as Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. The South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number to call in is 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's edition of Sports Talk. All right, good evening, everybody. Welcome into Sports Talk here on the Sports Talk Media Network. Busy, busy Wednesday night for you. Good to have you with us wherever you're dialed in tonight. Phone number 888 2525 Of course, that's the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number to reach us here. On Sports Talk, we'll take your phone calls as we go through the night, but a very busy night. A lot of stuff going on, of course. As you know, with March here, we roar into March Madness. In the case of some, it will be March Sadness, like for Coastal Carolina. Into the road last night for the Shauna Clears. March sadness for them as they lose in the Sunbelt Conference play-in round. So they are done. Tough year for Cliff Ellis and company at Coastal Carolina. And now, I don't know that there's any question about his future with the officials, Matt Hogue and the officials at Coastal Carolina. Maybe in their mind, they are set to give the veteran coach another year at least to come back and go out on a winning note if he chooses to. I know he wants to continue to coach and and personally and I have to fully disclose here that, you know, Coach Ellis, I've known him for a long, long time. And certainly I'm gonna side with him, with his desire to want to coach another year at least to uh, turn things around if he can. So we'll see what happens there at Coastal Carolina but their season came to an end last night. Clemson women won today at the ACC tournament. Those of you in Columbia, you might have heard that game right here on the point leading up to us. Unfortunately, they play tomorrow night at 6 o'clock against North Carolina. You will not hear that game right here on the point. You'll hear us at 6 o'clock. Sorry, we have to come first when it comes to a sports talk in the network when there are other things being programmed. And uh, today we heard from Don Staley, USC women's basketball coach. We'll let you hear from her as they get ready to go up to Greenville for the SEC tournament, but they don't play until Friday. They get the winner of the Missouri-Arkansas game on Friday. Do you realize that the last time this bunch lost a game was in the SEC tournament of last year in the championship game to Kentucky in Nashville, 66-62? That's the last time the Gamecocks have tasted defeat in women's basketball we got other basketball taking place tonight. We'll update you on uh, those scores. Of course, last night as well, Clemson, Clemson, Clemson. Well, they had a chance at Virginia. They were right there with the Cavs. They wouldn't go away. You know, they fell behind big early. They fought their way back into the game. They had opportunities to fade away, but they wouldn't. They hit some big shots, and they were right in there. They were right in there into the final moments of that ball game. Yet they lost, and so that eliminates them from the race for the ACC regular season championship. But they can still get a top-four spot by beating Notre Dame on Saturday, senior day at Clemson. They should be favored to win that game, and if they play their basketball and play it well, 
they should win that game. And so I think being a top four finisher in the ACC regular season race would be quite an accomplishment for Clemson in any year. And, of course, they continue to, with every ACC win, add to their school record for ACC wins in a single season. But is that going to be good enough to get them into the NCAA tournament? Joe Lenardi, you know, if you pray at the altar of Joe Lenardi's bracketology, he continues to have Clemson out, College of Charleston out. Of course, that really, the College of Charleston thing is is meaningless. They're going to be in if they win the CAA. They're going to be out if they don't win the CAA tournament. It's as simple as that. I don't think anybody expects the CAA to get two teams. In Clemson's case, I mean, they should be in the NCAA tournament. They beat Notre Dame. They finished in the top four. Think about this. According to Lenardi's uh, bracketology right now, so Clemson is behind in the ACC. They're behind Virginia and Miami. Okay, they lost to both of those. Close games. Close loss at Virginia in Charlottesville. Close loss to Miami at home. But they are also behind Pitt, who they beat. They're also behind Duke, who they beat. They're also behind NC State, who they beat twice by an average of 19 and a half points. I mean, it's kind of hard to wrap your head around that when you look at it logically. I mean, everybody's got some other losses on their schedule. None of those teams is undefeated, and they all have some bad losses. Clemson has got a couple of three bad losses on there, but still. How does a team that you beat twice and you're going to finish higher than them in the league and you beat them twice by 19 and a half, how do they figure in all the algorithms and the math and everything else, the net and the RPI and the MIT and the FBI and the CIA and all the other acronyms you might throw in there, how do they figure to be ahead of you for the NCAA tournament? How do they have a net rating about 30 spots higher than you? I mean, Brad Brownell last night was talking about it, and, you know, he he was left scratching his head about it. Uh, We'll have some comments from Brownell. And South Carolina went down to um, Mississippi State last night. Mississippi State, right now, Lenardi's got Mississippi State in. I think they might be the last team in or one of the last teams in. And they played Mississippi State a, a good ball game. Had a chance to win that game, but they fell apart. In the last 10 minutes, if you were paying attention, turnover after turnover after turnover. They had 14 turnovers on the night. Nine of them occurred in the last 10 minutes. And, of course, Mississippi State used those turnovers for fast break points. They outscored the Gamecocks on the fast break, something along the lines of 15 to nothing last night. And they beat the Gamecocks in the paint. Uh, So, you know, it was another good effort. I think you have to say it's another good effort by uh, Lamont Paris. But the turnovers by Lamont Paris's team, I guess it was a good effort by Lamont Paris too, though he wasn't playing. But by his team, it was a good effort. And again, the wins and the losses now are irrelevant when it comes to this Gamecock basketball team because they're not going anywhere. But they can certainly kind of put their feet down in the sand and, and kind of draw a line about, okay, this is who we are and this is – how we're going to play the game of basketball. And when you think about next year with Gamecock basketball and the possibilities of a turnaround, I mean, look at the uh, roster. Let's just say 
Well, with Gigi Jackson, you just don't know. If Gigi Jackson were to come back for another year, I mean, that would be that would be huge for South Carolina. That would be, I mean, you couldn't calculate how big that would be for them next year. Michi Johnson comes back. Jacoby Wright comes back. I think Jacoby Wright has improved tremendously over last year. They get the injured player who transferred from Coastal Carolina, Eby. I think that's what Chris calls him. Uh, they get him back healthy to play the point. Uh, Josh Gray is another one. If he returns, should return, who's made uh, advancements, huge advancements in his game from last year to this year. I mean, he wasn't even a player, or, or, or I mean, he wasn't even hardly a factor last year. Now, you know, you can count on him for eight or ten rebounds a game, and occasionally he'll score double-figure points for you. He's become much more athletic and much more active my point is, you've got some good players potentially returning. Jackson, the big question mark. I mean, is he going to go ahead and go pro? I mean, his numbers this year, if you just look at it statistically, as a true freshman are pretty darn good. You know, he leads the team in scoring. He leads the team in rebounding. He does lead the team in turnovers as well. But I guess that's to be kind of expected from a freshman. But his numbers aren't all that bad from a scoring and rebounding standpoint. And you watch him shoot the three. When he's on, it's pure. But again last night, you know, this happens with him in some games. After the 11-minute mark of the second half, he didn't make a jump shot the rest of the way. He made a couple of free throws, but no jump shots. You wonder if he's hitting the wall. You wonder if physically, if he's just burned out, you know, by the time they hit that 10-minute mark of the second half. He's played a lot more basketball now than he ever has in his life. And keep in mind, he should still be a senior in high school. He should probably be leading – uh, Ridgeview <clears throat> to a state championship uh, game uh, this coming week, or at least Oak Hill Academy, where his coach went. So, I mean, the Gamecocks, I think, potentially have a nucleus that could return that would make them a an improved team in year two under Lamont Paris, along with the players that he's bringing in. And you never know what you're going to go out and find late in recruiting in high school, though those are pretty slim pickings. And also, of course, what you're going to find uh, in the transfer portal, John. So, a no Lamont Paris. Once again, either he didn't talk to the media, which I would imagine he did, but no no post-game video, audio, anything from Lamont Paris was made available from that game last night. So, we don't have any idea, unless somebody took some quotes off his post-game radio show. They have no idea what he said uh, to the media last night. Uh, so, uh, we've got some Brad Brownell. We've got uh, Don Staley. Monty Lee. Monty Lee talked to the media today. The USC associate head baseball coach and the former head coach at uh, Clemson. And you knew this day was coming with the rivalry weekend upon us now, beginning, well, on Friday up at Clemson. So, Monty Lee will make the return to Clemson with the Gamecock baseball team. And he talked to the media today because – it's a good story. I mean, here is a coach going back to face his former team right after leaving them, the season after you know being fired. Of course, this isn't the first time this has been his situation because he left the College of Charleston to go to Clemson. His first year at Clemson, he played the College of Charleston in May. They split those two games back in May of um, whatever year that was, was his first year there. When they won the ACC championship, remember the ACC tournament championship? They had that wild game with Florida State, and they won a championship in his first year. So he's he knows what it's like to go back and play the ones you love, so to speak. And uh, 
now he doesn't love the Tigers anymore. He's he's all Gamecock, but he's got players that he recruited, and he's got administrators and uh, others there that he worked with for seven years. So you know he's got relationships and some fond memories of his time there at Clemson. So he talked about that today. We'll bring that to you too. Also today, Clemson gets a commitment in football from the running back that they eventually decided to go after, David Eziomume. He's out of uh, Suwanee, Georgia, 6'1", 200. He's going to join us here at the bottom of the hour. At least that's the plan. Now, you know when we have high school players on, it's sometimes hit and miss. But he's at a track meet or track practice, and he's going to make time for us, I do believe, at about 6.30 or so. So we'll hear from him and talk about his decision to commit to Clemson over a bunch of big-time offers. It was really Clemson and Georgia Tech at the end, but he had West Virginia, Wisconsin, Florida State, Louisville. He had uh, Kansas State, Pittsburgh, Arkansas, Auburn, Nebraska, Southern Cal, Illinois, Miami. So he had a very nice selection to choose from. So we'll hear from him as well. And talking about basketball, 705, Bob Ritchie, coach of the Southern Conference champions, Furman Paladins, the Purple Paladins. He'll join us at 7.05. Now, I mean, Furman really, and it was a great year for them to this point. It's been a great year to win the Southern Conference, to go to Samford and win on the last day of the regular season to clinch the championship. That was huge. But they basically are in the same boat they were last year, you know, expected to go to the Southern Conference tournament and perhaps win it. Well, they got to the championship game. They got to the final second. And then Lamont Paris happened, or his player at UT Chattanooga happened, and he hit that half-court shot, and off goes Chattanooga, and Furman misses the NCAA tournament, and Lamont Paris ends up at South Carolina. Funny how those things work out. If they don't hit that shot, and Furman wins and goes to the tournament, does South Carolina still hire Lamont Paris? Does he have that resume, that strong enough resume without that tournament appearance to impress Ray Tanner to get the job? Maybe it's Bob Ritchie because I think Bob Ritchie was one they either talked to or planned to talk to when they were going through the process. So anyway, funny how those little small things can make a make a big difference. Pat, how you doing over there, pal? You look like uh, you look kind of stressed sitting over there. Well, I'm a little frustrated. Walked in the studio and uh, having some technical issues here, so we'll be, need, we'll be, we'll be holding need, the first break over to the second half hour. Do you need my hammer again? Like we had to use it last night. On I computers? might, and I'd imagine a, a majority of our listeners, anybody who's worked in an office setting or really just has a computer, can mm. can relate to this. Walk in, you sit down at your desk, and suddenly your computer is doing the forced updates, and it gives you no choice whatsoever in the matter. Oh. Yeah, so I've been, uh, what are we going on? Going on 15 minutes. About 18 minutes since I walked in here that uh, it's still giving me the working on updates. It says it's 100% complete, but it's just giving me the little ring of death. Nothing's happening. So. Ring of death. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's been, it's been a good day, Phil. I was enjoying your monologue there and- mm-hmm. Uh, I actually have some good notes here about a topic you touched on related to the USC uh, men's Gamecock basketball team. Mm-hmm. So I look forward to diving back into that as we go through the show. Seven of eight top scorers from this season have the option, at least, to return next season. And then 
tossing the potential of maybe one or two plug-and-play transfer players if Coach Paris is able to get a couple of those. This team has the potential to really make some noise in the SEC next year. That's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm thinking. But what do you think, on a scale of 1 to 10, where would you put it on G.G. Jackson returning? 10 being that he will return, 1 being not returning? Uh, I never thought of it that way. Let's go the other way. 10 being he's leaving. He's leaving and 1 that he's staying. And then you got your middle ground. I think 4. So he's slightly leaning towards or I don't know this of course but I believe that he would be slightly leaning towards coming back at this point and really I I go back to the Instagram live a little bit where he made the comments again excuse me computer issues I don't have the quotes in front of me but something along the lines of he had already let down one fan base and couldn't do it to another with the whole leaving North Carolina I think I have that quote a little yeah but he's talking about transferring I I understand I understand Uh, but still, I, I could see him feeling as though he still has something left to prove this year because you mentioned on all the good things he's done this year, and he has had a good freshman season. But I do question what it would have been like on a team where maybe they didn't need him to be that type of player. We've talked off-air at length about this. What would his role be in Chapel Hill this season? With what we've seen out of him here in Columbia, I genuinely am curious, what would his role be? Would it be... He obviously wouldn't have to be dependent on as much, so would that actually open him up to play a little more freely than perhaps he is here in town, maybe a little less frustration than maybe he's had to deal with here in town? Or would he even be a part of the rotation? And I I don't mean that to criticize him, but as good as this North Carolina team is, would he be the second, third, fourth guy off the bench? I don't think he'd be starting with all the guys they brought back. And where I'm going with all this in a roundabout way is I genuinely believe he could use another year to go from right now, my opinion, if he were to get drafted, late first round, early second round pick. That doesn't come with guaranteed contracts. That, that uh, for more times than not, turns into spending a year or two in the G League so as to develop. Yes, you will then be around NBA caliber talent, NBA caliber coaches, trainers, workout regimen, all that. So you can certainly seek improvement in the G League, and you can make, make some money. But with NIL... And I've said this for, what, two years now. I think one of the biggest points or positives of NIL is this may entice players such as a Gigi Jackson who could, in the past, you got to go take that money, man. If you're offered half a million dollars a year, you go. Mm. But now, if you can make that while staying in Columbia, staying close to your family, continuing your education, continuing your progress, I think it's beneficial to stay here and then potentially become a lottery pick next year. And now instead of, again, I don't have this in front of me, I normally would have these numbers Instead of a non-guaranteed contract, you're looking at potentially guaranteed twenty to forty million dollars if you're a top ten pick. That's a big difference. Ray writing to us on our Facebook stream says about this that Jackson's worst mistake was to go to USC. His draft stock would have been better. Nothing but hurt him at Carolina. So maybe what he's saying is if he'd gone somewhere else, his draft stock would have would be higher. I don't know. And it all depends on um, how you play, where you are. At North Carolina, I don't think with their guards, I don't think they would have counted on him to be so much of a point guard as he is with South Carolina, bringing the ball down the court, running the offense through him a lot of times at the uh, top of the key or off the elbow. So I don't know how what his role would have been. He's not. You know, he doesn't show that he's an inside post-up player. And and who can't who can't use a stretch four who can shoot the three you know which is what he is so um, 
Would he have found playing time at North Carolina? Yes, I think he would. His talent is too much, but probably not the same amount of playing time. But then again, that might have been a blessing for him. Instead of shouldering the load of playing, what's he playing, about 27, 30 minutes a game? Maybe you play 20 minutes a game at North Carolina, but it's a more effective 20 minutes a game, and maybe you don't have those spells of turnovers and those kind of things. And maybe, you know, you're not – at North Carolina, you're just another guy. At South Carolina, you are the guy. Right. Now, maybe he likes being the guy, but when you're the guy, everybody kind of looks up at you. If you're at North Carolina and you're the younger of the guys – then you look up to those guys, and you don't have to carry that water like you do at a place like South Carolina. So You're also not getting the top defender. you got to think every game he goes into, he's getting locked down by the top defender on the opposing team because he is the guy for South Carolina. I know Michi Johnson, Hayden Brown, other guys certainly draw attention from defenders, but he is getting the shutdown guy, kind of like in football, a top receiver going against a top corner, and then you see a top receiver get hurt, the secondary receiver then becomes the top receiver, and their numbers go down because now suddenly they're faced with a better uh, defensive player. Same thought process here. If Gigi were potentially in, in North Carolina, he may kind of blend in a little bit because of the surrounding talent and have a little bit easier uh, time on the offensive end, which to your point earlier, he may not quite get as tired later in the game. Right now we're seeing him kind of wear down as the game goes. You mentioned last night, Alabama the other night. Uh, he didn't score, what, the last – uh, eight minutes of the game no and jump overtime. Shots, no jump shots the final 11 minutes, just free throws. Wow. No no baskets from the floor. And that may not be as big of an issue if he were at a place like Chapel Hill where he wouldn't be facing that suffocating defense every single time down the floor. All right, a couple of other things. By the way, how's the computer looking? Still the spin of death. That's what you call it, huh? Yeah, so if we go to this commercial break, know, we might have a little uh, you know, straight to it. When you walked in and we, oh, we always ask how our day has been, and I told you mine's been lousy, right? <laughs> Mine was going, going great. <laughs> well, this is just the icing on the cake. Not that anybody cares about how lousy my day was, but like today, you know, I'm notorious for coming late to everything except this show, and even occasionally I'll be late for it. But by and large, over 30 nine years or so i've been here pretty much on time at 605 but i'm notoriously late for everything so today we had uh, two press sessions at south carolina and my goal was to be on time so i go to monty lee which was scheduled for 10 o'clock and i arrive at 9 58 i'm like okay problem is he started at 9 57 oh no yes <laughs> all right so I sucked that up, okay, took the L. Now it's Don Staley at 11 o'clock over at the basketball offices. Well, it's been a while since I've been over to that area, so I go over to the basketball entrance area, the men's offices, which I thought were the women's offices as well, over there at the Coliseum. I run into Carrie Rich, and we talk for a few minutes, and I go, Carrie, i got to run to this Don Staley thing, and it's in front of her office or whatever. And he goes, yeah, just – you know, go straight down that hall, go up those steps. It's, they'll be in the court area, the basketball practice court area. Well, I did that. Nobody's there. Walked around the entire lower area of the what used to be the elephant room all down there. Nobody there. It's after 11 o'clock now, and I text Diana, the SID for women's basketball, to find out where they are. And they were over. I forgot the women's office is now where the men's office used to be, which is in the volleyball building. And so I go, you know, hustling over there, and, of course, I get there six minutes late for that. There's six minutes into Don Staley when I get there. So, you know, 
I blew that. But I was my point is I was 15 minutes early, but yet I was five minutes late. And I was two minutes early, yet I was a minute late. That's how my day's been. I went to get a new phone today, all right? And I go to the phone store where they were holding a phone for me two days ago, and I show up, and the phone is gone, and they don't have any more in stock. All right, so I don't get my phone today. Now I come in here, and the computer's got the, uh, what do you call that? The circle from hell? What'd you call it? The ringing circle of death. The ringing circle of death. (laughs) So it's just the old icing on the cake, all right? But I look at it this way. Things can only get better from here, right, Pat? Our goal, That's exactly right. Our goal is to uh, make you, the listener, take your mind off your bad day and uh, think about our bad day because our bad day was probably worse than yours. Okay, after the break, the new Clemson commitment, we hope, running back David Easy Omume is going to join us and a whole bunch more coming up. Be right back here on Sports Talk. Well, when it rains, it pours. As we mentioned to you, our personal issues and our issue with our computer uh, updating, which continues to update now, we apparently are not able to uh, call out on our phone system. So it's just kind of all falling apart here on a Wednesday. I don't know why. We've been very kind and courteous and gentle with the equipment. It's out of our control, but Pat's working on it, doing the best he can, and hopefully... He'll be able to call out here shortly. In the meantime, let me take care of some business. First of all, phone number 888-898-2525. I'm not even sure people can call into us. But if you could, you'd call that number, 888-898-2525. And that's the South Carolina Education Lottery Lucky Number. And since 2002, more than 2.1 million lottery-funded scholarships, such as Life, Hope, and Palmetto Fellow Scholarships, have been awarded to South Carolina students. You can learn more about the lottery's impact at sceducationlottery.com slash educationwins. And playing for fun is a win for education. All right. No luck, huh? Still having the problem? Okay. So while Pat works on that, I will tell you a few important items. First of all, tell you that they've wrapped up the Darius Rutger intercollegiate at Hilton Head, and LSU came from behind. South Carolina did not have a good day today. LSU came from behind. The win must have been up today because looks like all of today's scores, except for one from a team standpoint, over par. Wake Forest had an even par round. But LSU shot three over today to finish at plus six. South Carolina shot 11 over to finish at plus 10. So LSU wins it, and they're ranked number six. South Carolina finishes second. They're ranked number four. Auburn is next at plus 14, and Wake Forest is plus 15. However, on the individual side, Matilda Classe of South Carolina is your individual winner. She shoots a one under 70 today to finish at five under par, and she wins by a shot over Edith Hertzman from LSU. So, Class A 
has rounds of 69, 69, and 70 to finish at five under, and she wins the individual title at the Darius Rutger Intercollegiate. That's a great event. Uh, Rutger puts on a concert. I'm not sure it's just is – it, is it just Darius Rucker with the concert, or do Hootie and the Blowfish go down there and do a whole thing? I'm not sure. But they put on a show down there at the beginning of the week, and it's a, it's a tremendous event for uh, women's college golf, and he's done such a great job. Darius Rucker has done such a great job lending his name and resources to uh, women's golf all across the country. So LSU wins it, and South Carolina's Matilda Classe gets the individual title there today. All right, so out of Georgia, their star defensive lineman Jalen Carter, who's considered a top-five prospect in the upcoming draft, was issued an arrest warrant today going back to that fatal January 15th car accident that killed a Georgia football player and a recruiting analyst. The Athens-Clark County Police Department's warrant alleges Carter was driving recklessly and racing both misdemeanors. Police initially believed the crash was a single-car accident caused by speeding. However, statements and evidence have since revealed that at least two other cars were at the scene, both driven by Georgia football players. Police have not released surveillance video citing the footage as evidence of an ongoing investigation. Carter left the scene of the crash for more than an hour before returning to the scene and providing statements to police. Interviews reviewed by the AJC, Carter misled prosecutors, first claiming he was a mile away from the accident before later acknowledging he was alongside the car that crashed, ultimately killing teammate Devin Willock and recruiting analyst Chandler LeCroy. The crashed car was traveling more than double the speed limit. Additionally, Toxicology reports revealed that LeCroy was driving with a blood alcohol concentration of .197, more than double the legal limit. Also, from what I've read, is that the the two, Carter and LeCroy, were racing. They were driving separate cars, and according to reports, they were racing. Carter was in a 2021 Jeep Cherokee Trackhawk with a Hellcat V8 motor, a vehicle he received as part of an NIL deal with an Ohio luxury car dealership. The Ford Expedition, driven by LeCroy, was rented by the university for recruiting purposes. She was not authorized to drive the Expedition. Two additional members of the football program, player and staffer, were injured in the accident. In a prepared statement released on his personal Twitter, Carter said he was notified of the warrant this morning and framed media reports as, quote, containing inaccurate information. He continued, quote, It is my intention to return to Athens to answer the misdemeanor charges against me and to make certain that the complete and accurate truth is presented. There is no question in my mind that when all the facts are known that I will be fully exonerated of any criminal wrongdoing. Bulldogs linebacker Jamon Dumas Johnson was also questioned in relation to the January 15th crash after appearing at the scene. Position mate Smell Munden was reportedly in the car with him. Dumas Johnson was not charged in relation to this incident, but was independently charged with a different street racing violation five days earlier.
Carter is at the NFL Scouting Combine in Indianapolis this week. So, the story gets messier and messier. And, you know, we had this situation at Clemson as well a couple of years ago with two players drag racing well over 100 miles an hour. And, of course, that resulted in a tragic accident. Fortunately, nobody died, but it was still a very tragic accident that, as far as we know, the two players involved at Clemson were never really publicly held accountable. Were they? Was there ever a trial? I know the police chief from Clemson told the media up there that you know a misdemeanor charge was as <clears throat> a misdemeanor charge was as serious as they could impose in the case because that's what state law is. Then I guess in Georgia it's the same thing. It's a misdemeanor, but you would think, applying common sense here, you would think that when there's death involved and bodily injury involved that you know this could rise to a higher higher level of crime you would think right not just a misdemeanor two people died in the case here at georgia so anyway uh, that is the latest on that also there's a story out today about john morant the uh, and i would only mention this because he's a south carolina guy from over in the sumter area of course a superstar player for the Memphis Grizzlies. I got a little chance to watch him last night. <laughs> he is such a talent. It's incredible how nobody in our state, of course nobody anywhere really recruited him except for Murray State, but, I mean, it goes back to the uh, Steph Curry recruiting fiasco. How does how does a guy like that, you know, not be recruited by the major schools and then become like the greatest player of his generation? And Morant, is going to fall into that category when it's all said and done. But anyway, he's got a problem. He's been accused of threatening the head of security at a Memphis mall last summer. Washington Post reporting this. In the report, the security guard said Morant made threatening remarks while a person with the grizzly guard shoved the director. The altercation started after Morant's mother had a dispute with an employee at a finish line store within the mall, which led her to call her son. Upon arrival, Morant and the people that came with him were told to leave by the head of security, and they refused, prompting police to arrive. A verbal confrontation transpired, and then a number of Morant's group pushed the security guard in the head. According to the police report, Morant then said, quote, let me find out what time he gets off, end quote, which made the guard want to follow a report as he felt, quote, threatened by Morant's statement, no arrests were made in the incident. Four days after that, Morant was then accused of punching a 17-year-old boy during a pickup basketball game at his home in Memphis. During that incident, Morant told police he acted in self-defense as he said the boy threw a basketball which hit him in the head. However, the teenager told the Washington Post, or actually Maybe he told police a different story that the Washington Post uh, picked up on. The teenager had the task of guarding Morant, and Morant, it says here, threw the ball hard at the boy's chest as he attempted to check it in. The boy threw it back just as hard. The ball slipped through Morant's hands, the teenager said, and hit Morant's chin. 
The teenager told police Moran then put his chin on the boy's shoulder and asked his friend, do I do it to him? The, friends res- uh, the friend responded, yeah, do it. Morant then punched the boy in his jaw, the boy told police, and without warning, the friend then struck him on the other side. The teenager said he fell to the ground where Morant hit him like 12 to 13 times, while his friend also hit him four or five times. First of all, if you're John Morant, what are you doing playing pickup basketball at your house with a teenager, with a 17-year-old? I mean, you're worth untold millions. You're one of the premier players in the world. And you're acting like this. Now, the issue in the mall, I mean, that doesn't surprise me. If you've, if you, if you've watched John Morant and, and the Memphis team and Morant's father, and now I guess the mother, but the father, I guess, follows him everywhere they go. And, you know, they had a, a flare-up. A couple of weeks ago, where was that? Was that in Golden State? They had a flare-up where the father got uh, into it. L.A. with Shannon Sharp. Talking about that? Yeah. That was, that was a big one. Where that was it. It was L.A. They were playing LeBron and those guys. And yeah, D- Dylan Brooks and uh, Shannon Sharp started mouthing at each other. And then uh, John Morant and uh, – help me out. Um, I think he played at Pitt. Whatever the the big Kiwi uh, played at Oklahoma State forever, scary mm. guy. Um, mm. Anyways, they yeah. but hilarious. Uh, they then kind of went towards Shannon Sharp on the sideline. Then I believe it's T Morant, right? Isn't that John Morant's father's name? Correct. Uh, he and Shannon Sharp then had to be separated by actual not just security guards but actually police officers. And eventually, Shannon Sharp and Mister Morant took a photo together showing that they were they were cool, they were okay. But mm-hmm. still, there was a very, very heated back and forth between them as well. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, you see that happen, and then you hear about this incident in the mall, and then you hear about this a- incident uh, in his own driveway, and, you you, you know, you, you, you hope this isn't a case of a young man with all the riches in the world now just, you know, getting out of control and not uh, using his brain and not using his common sense. And I'm not suggesting he's running with the wrong people, but, you know, it's funny how you get all these millions of dollars and all of a sudden you get all these friends and uncles and nephews and cousins who, who want to be around you. So you have to be careful, that's for sure. But he has a great talent. It takes nothing away from his talent as a, as a great uh, basketball player. Um, okay, our computer is still doing it. And we can't access anything, can we? With our, I mean, everything is locked up now. We can't get to anything. Shooting blind, uh, put it lightly here, Phil. Yeah. You're really putting the pressure on me. I feel like G.G. Jackson trying to carry the Gamecock basketball team. I'm going to run out of juice here about uh, 740. Well, to make it worse, nobody can call in either because I stepped outside seeing if I couldn't call out, but calling in, I'm getting a busy signal. To a, so apologies, Gamecock Larry, I'm talking to you. Apologies to you and anybody else who might be trying to call us right now. Um Sorry about that. Hoping to get it fixed here momentarily. Which also means i uh, got a problem with Coach Bob Ritchie at, uh, at 705. Uh, hopefully we can get it fixed by then. But this is becoming quite, uh, quite the problem here on this Wednesday night, which, as I said earlier, kind of fits in with the theme of the day for me. Okay, with that being said, you know what they – well, I'm not going to say what I was going to say. So we'll just go on. Uh, Jesse Sanders, who was a walk-on tight end at South Carolina – 
out of South Aiken. And there was a quarterback in high school back in the day, but he tied in at South Carolina. And I think he was a t- I think I think he played quarterback there at South Aiken for the Thoroughbreds. But he announced on Twitter last night because of the injuries, two ACL tears in his left knee and three major surgeries, he is retiring from football and he will uh, continue to be around the team and helping out any way he can. But uh got it walked on and and gave the Gamecocks some some snaps. Did a good job I thought in his career. Became official last night. Dustin Curtis hired at Lexington High School. School board approving that last night. That's his alma mater. And very successful coach everywhere he's been. One year at Dorman. Of course, he won a state championship at AC Flora. So that is now official at Lexington High School. Uh, What else do we have for you? Uh, Let's see here. Um, uh, This is... uh, Oh, this is kind of interesting about Gamecock baseball. Through nine games, the Gamecocks have a team batting average of 322. That's 27th highest in the country. They lead the nation with 27 home runs. They are second in hit batters with 33. They are third in slugging percentage at 664. Third in runs scored with 105. Fifth in walks with 66 and eighth in ERA at an even 2.00. So those are all great numbers. And, of course, you know, Penn slowed them down a little bit. The first six games they ran roughshod over the competition. Well, the first five games. And then Penn kind of slowed them down a little bit with their good pitching. So we'll see what happens moving forward. But at least early on they're putting up some impressive numbers there at the plate. Boy, what a tough break for Tennessee as their outstanding point guard, Zakai Ziegler, or Zakai Ziegler, I'm sorry, Zakai Ziegler, last night suffered a torn ACL in his left knee, and that will end his season. He was a terrific player for Tennessee. They did go on and win that game against Arkansas, but now, you know, you're the committee, you're looking at things like injuries and performance, and where do you put Tennessee now, knowing they're going to be without one of their key players going into the uh, – to the tournament. Uh, Clemson graduate senior Hunter Tyson has been named the recipient of the 2023 Skip Prosser Award for the top scholar-athlete in men's basketball. Tyson is now a four-time member of the All-ACC Academic Basketball Team. Smart and, of course, has a nasty jumper. Uh, Furman senior Jalen Slauson is the Consensus Southern Conference Player of the Year. That was announced today. Wofford guard Jackson Pavletsky was named the SoCon Freshman of the Year by the coaches and the media. Greensboro's Mike Jones is the Coach of the Year by his peers. The media selected Sanford's Bucky McMillan. And Greensboro's Kobe Langley was named the SoCon Defensive Player of the Year by the coaches. Our poll question of the week remains out there for you, so make sure you jump on it so you can participate. And it is, of course, the baseball series. I'm calling it, of course, the Palmetto Base Brawl Series. Okay, let's have some fun with it. The Palmetto Base Brawl Series. It's this weekend, Clemson, Greenville, Columbia. 502 votes are in. 57% have the Gamecocks winning two of three. Another 30% have the Gamecocks sweeping. So that's 87% say the Gamecocks are going to win one way or the other. 
8.8% have the Tigers winning two of three, and 4.2% have the Tigers sweeping. All right. So I see the phones are ringing, uh, and I see Pat is talking on the phone. Don't know exactly what all this means, but uh, we do have some activity over there with our phones, so that's a, that's a good thing at this point. And what else do I have for you? Uh, oh, this is interesting, very interesting, from the PGA Tour. The uh, PGA Tour, this is according to Golf Week, the PGA Tour has approved what they say are radical schedule changes, reducing fields and elevated events and ending cuts. The PGA Tour Board of the PGA Tour Board last night ratified this new approach to the 24th schedule that will see reduced fields in the new designated events and the removal of the 36-hole cut. Fields in designated events will be reduced to between 70 and 78 with no cut. The changes will not apply to all of the elevated events. The majors, the Players' Championship, and the FedEx Cup playoff tournaments will be unaffected. Two sources familiar with the details confirmed the changes to Golf Week. Isn't there another? Isn't there another place that does similar rules right now? Another organization that maybe oh yeah, Liz Golf is taking Greg Norman's taking victory laps. Right. Yeah. So designated events were launched this year in an effort to guarantee the presence of the game's top stars and to ensure they are paid more with minimum purses of twenty million in each event. The Heritage is a designated event <clears throat> due to the haste with which the designated events came about. No changes were made to the field sizes for this year. That won't apply when the tour returns to a calendar year schedule in 2024. It says that won't apply when the tour returns. Oh, I got it. So what we're doing now won't apply when the calendar year turns to 2024. Reducing field sizes is sure to cause concern among rank-and-file members who will see it as the denial of playing opportunities. However, one top player who spoke on the condition of anonymity, which is how I think we speak here sometimes, says the plan will have opportunities for members to play their way into designated stops and will not create a closed ecosystem for elite stars. This live versus PGA relationship is really starting to feel to me a lot like the XFL and the NFL, where the NFL originally was very, very against the XFL, refused to share stadiums, facilities, et cetera, et cetera, but then slowly started adopting many of the rules we see today from the XFL. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's go to Brad in Union. The phone is working, you're telling me? Okay. Brad in Union. Welcome into hey, a Sports Talk. How are you, man? I'm good. How are you doing? We're doing great. Thank you for saving us from ourselves. <laughs> hey, I want to backtrack just a little bit. I tried to call when you were first talking about it. Yeah. Uh, you know, we were talking about how John Morant uh, wasn't really looked at by the bigger schools in the state. But then you talk about all these problems he has. Uh, maybe that's the reason why. Maybe they thought, you know, he came with some baggage from the beginning, and that's why they didn't recruit him. I'm not aware of anything like that. I don't think he was a problem child in high school or anything like that. At Murray State, his two years there, never heard a peep. I don't know yeah. if this is because of fame and fortune and people that he's hanging around with. And um, who knows? You know how it is. These guys, they, they get all this money all of a sudden and all this attention, and then they have uh, they go from being a, a family guy or, or a single guy, and all of a sudden they got this group around them, you know, and they got, he's got, they got people doing everything for you and getting paid for and doing it. Everybody's telling yes, sir. 
Yeah. So, I mean, he's still a young kid. You know, he's in his early 20s, and he's from over in the Sumter area. And, I mean, uh, he he comes across, like listening to his press conference last night, he comes across as humble and friendly and all that. But we're seeing some things here happening and hearing about some things happening off the court that kind of raise an antenna or two, if you ask me. Yeah, me too. And uh, as far as it, the the games this weekend, uh, I'm a big Clemson fan, but I think uh, Carolina's way ahead of us right now. In what area? Uh, <laughs> well, in every area, we we're not uh, we're not producing points, or we didn't when we played any good teams. You know, all the points came at the beginning of the season and under you know against weaker teams. Uh, Carolina's killing the ball, absolutely killing it. I was looking at the stats. They, I don't, I mean, how, how many home runs have they got this year? They have twenty-seven, I think it is. They lead the country. They have twenty-seven. Yeah. I think I put out earlier today. Let me see. Yeah, twenty-seven. I don't, I don't think they have the pitching to do a whole lot for it there. If they hit like that, then they're going to clobber us. Oh yeah, if they hit like that, they they will. Um, but let's see how this is going to be. Well, of course, UCF was a good test for Clemson, and Clemson failed it miserably. Yeah. Uh, yeah this will be this will be truly the Gamecocks' first test. So let's see how they how they hold up against some front-line pitching, or what should be some front-line pitching. Well, I'll be wearing orange, but I, I won't be surprised if we get swept. All right, sir. Thank you very much. Good All hearing man. from you. Thank you. Yes, sir. Appreciate the call. All right, we're going to hit the break here on Sports Talk, and uh, we'll be back. That's some strange music playing. It's not our regular music. We can't. That thing is still up. Maybe it's the best you, I can do. <laughs> can you turn it off and turn it back on? I was told by the engineer not to do that, or it can cause problems with the computer. It's a piece of junk anyway. All right, we've got to hit the break, and we'll be back. Welcome back to Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number, 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. Okay, we're back on Sports Talk here on a Wednesday night where we're having to kind of piece some things together because of computer issues, phone issues, and the like, but we're working our way through it. Glad you're hanging in there with us in this hour. Well, we'll see what we can uh, piece together we're hoping to have Furman coach Bob Ritchie with us here in just a moment talking about his team in the upcoming Southern Conference tournament Monty Lee Don Staley who we were with today and we've got uh, recorded comments from uh, we'll try and get those to you if we can uh, work around a solution here with our computers uh, and also trying to uh, hook up with the uh, Clemson running back commitment David easy Omume, and we may try and get him on here in the next uh, hour or so as well. So we got all that coming your way, plus the recruiting report, and maybe squeeze in some more phone calls. 888-898-2525 is the phone number. But based on what I'm seeing, I think we might have Coach Ritchie with us to help uh, bail us out here in hour number two. Fantastic. We welcome in Furman basketball coach Bob Ritchie, who will guide his team into the Southern Conference Tournament this week and have his team going in as the number one seed and the regular season 
champion. First of all, Coach, thank you so much for joining us, and congratulations on the season and the championship. How you feeling? Well, we're all feeling pretty good around here, and um, you know, coming off that performance on Saturday was a high-level game. You know, at Sanford, the, the place was basically sold out, and national TV, and the winner was going to get the one seed, and you know, it was just great to see our guys come out with that type of composure and confidence, and and um, you know, really to be able to to be able to do that on the road in that environment with everything that was on the line was was a lot of fun. But um, you know, it's it's one of those deals. It's a it's a fine balance at this level. You know, I mean, at the high major level, you're sitting around and, and basically going on a vacation trip this weekend for your mm-hmm. conference tournament because you, you know you know your situation in the NCAA tournament. But you know, for for us at this level, the reality is. You know, a lot of the season gets put into these three days. And, um, you know, so it's it's a fine balance of, of being excited. You know, it's the first one seed around here since 1991. It's a long time. And, um, you know, to, to understand the accomplishment of winning that championship in a league of this magnitude. But you got to quickly flip the page and, and make sure we get our attention to Asheville and, um, you know, make sure we're prepared to play our best, you know, when our best is needed. Well, if anybody knows – what it's like to be in a one-team league and know what it's like for winner-take-all, especially when you get to that championship game of the tournament, it would be you after what happened last year. And how much of what happened in that game has driven you and driven your team to this point, to this season, and may even motivate you to the point where you can go that next step? Well, I think it's been a big motivator. And, um, you know, I think just this off season, you know, just the work and the camaraderie of our team. And, you know, we, we lost two really good players off that team. It, it probably isn't talked about enough. You know, a, a starting point guard that was a four-year starter for us that, you know, before Mike and Slaw eclipsed it, you know, last game was all-time winning player in Furman history in Alex Hunter. And we had another fifth-year senior in Conley Garrison who was just as tough as it gets. And, you know, we, we had to we had to figure out some different things in terms of who was going to be our point guard and, you know, who, who was going to fill in a couple of those two starter spots. And, um, but, you know, it's just been a, it's been neat to see the old guys continue to get better and continue to work and really try to, to, to lead the younger guys. But, you know, the interesting thing about this team is five of the nine that play are underclassmen. And so we actually have, in terms of underclassmen production, we have the fourth highest in the league. And, you know, I think it's VMI first, then Wofford, ETSU, and then us. And so that's been really the big thing is is our young guys have really grown up. And, you know, J.P. Pegues goes for 20 in that, in that, in that game on Saturday. He's a sophomore point guard. Uh, ben Vanderwall, freshman, made the all-freshman team, you know, today. And Alex Williams and Tyrese Huey and Carter Witt, you know, all those guys have really stepped up and been key contributor for us. And so when you add that to the mix of what the two fifth years in, in, in Mike and, and Jalen Slauson have been able to do, it's just been a complete team. And, um, you know, I do think that there's definitely been some motivation to, you know, hey, let's go give this our best and um, let's continue to get better. And this team, out of all six that we've had, we've had some really, really good teams. I would say this team has improved the most in the season. And, um, you know, I think a lot of that is just their fuel to continue to push through. And, you know, it's like I told them the other day, like, hey, you know, you guys are calloused. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you've been through some hard. And, um, you know, before you're calloused, you know, some of that stuff can mess you up a little bit. But, this group has been calloused and, and, and they've been able to continue to endure and to continue to press forward in, in, in different points of adversity. And, and really, to be honest, we have just played what I think was our most complete game of the season. 
Yeah. I mean, you go to Sanford, like you said, sold out, national TV. You win by 14 there. That's that's impressive. And, and that came just a, a couple of games after you had that surprising, I guess to us, surprising loss at the Citadel. So I guess it can kind of show you how fragile you can be from time to time. You go down, you drop that game to the Citadel, but then you rebound, you beat East Tennessee, you beat Mercer, and you beat Sanford. Was that maybe a, a little bit of a late-season wake-up call for the guys to lose that game down in Charleston? Well, I, th- I think definitely, you know, just to just to understand that anybody can beat you. And, um, you know, I'm actually sitting here watching the end of that game right now because we can potentially play them on Saturday. It's either going to be them or, or, or Mercer. And, um, you know, it was a classic case of just we had won eight in a row and we were playing really, really well. And we, I think our margin of victory in the four games prior was 24 points. And, and you can just see it. Like, first of all, Citadel played great and, and that can happen at home. You know, they're playing, they're playing a really good team. They're excited to play and, you know, Hey, let's just go give this a shot. And all of a sudden they start making a bunch of shots and, you know, for us, it looked like we just kind of let our guard down. Mm-hmm. We, didn't, we didn't quite have the same defensive focus that was necessary. And you get in that game and it's tight, and all of a sudden you're like, man, what's going on? And really you just got to find a way to finish it off. And for the most part, this team's done a good job of that. But on that particular night, we didn't. And, um, you know, it was we led for, the, we, we led for a lot of the game, uh, but it was one of those deals where we'd get up 5-6-7, and then they'd make a run. We'd get up 5-6-7, they'd make a run and tie it. And then you do that four or five times, and then all of a sudden they tie it up, and then they make a play or two late, and they beat you. I do think it was good for us. And what we did was we kind of simulated, you know, we got on the bus, and that same night Sanford played Greensboro, and, and Sanford beat them. And so what that did was it still allowed us to control our own destiny. And what I told the team on the bus is I said, look, you know, you look at college basketball right now, and for whatever reason I noticed this, like, a lot of these teams that are on big win streaks or playing well, when they finally do lose one, you see them lose another one. And you remember the stretch that Kansas had there a month or so ago. Uh, Tennessee loses at Vanderbilt, turns around, loses to, to Missouri. Uh, Charleston loses at home to Hostra and then goes on the road and loses to Drexel. Um, and there was like there was like five or six scenarios where I was like, you know what, we, we the biggest thing is we just got to find a way to win this next game. And, and what I told him, I said, look, we're going to have to win three in a row. We might as well just practice that format and, you know, understand, hey, look, we, we have to win the next one to stay in the race, and then we got to win the next one to stay in the race. And if we don't win those two, we're not going to have a chance to win a championship. But if we do, if we do, then now let's go to, to Birmingham for all the marbles. And um, that's exactly how it shaped up. And we were able to get that win and, and um, do, it in a, do it in a pretty fun fashion. So, yeah, I think it was a good – I think overall – all three of our conference losses, I think we learned something. And uh, that's what you want to do as a team. You're not going to win them all. You want to lose well. And uh, you want to lose with humility. And you want to make sure you find a way to get better from that losing. Sure, sure. Visiting with Bob Ritchie, Furman basketball coach, heads off to the Southern Conference Tournament up in Asheville. For him and the Paladins, uh, the play will begin on Saturday, Saturday, Sunday, and they hope Monday in a championship game. And, you know, you go back at – we were just talking earlier in the show about the impact of that game. And I mean, it just came down to a, a great shot from mid court at the buzzer um, that, that cost you an opportunity to go to the NCAA tournament. It sent uh, Chattanooga to the NCAA tournament and eventually Lamont Paris to South Carolina. So you wonder, you know, how fortunes might've changed if things had been different, but you can't do anything about that. But I know as the number one seed, you want to do the best you can to avoid being in a situation where 
you can lose like that again, like some some kind of freaky play at the end that might knock you out. That's you got to kind of stay away from that situation. Well, I mean, you know, it's one of those deals where it's, um, you know, it was an incredible basketball game. And, and um, I remember sitting there in the middle of the game thinking, like, this is one of the best games I've been a part of. And, and I still feel that way. I mean, it was it was it was just two heavyweights going at it. And, um, you know, it got in overtime and, and we made the play to take the lead. And, you know, we just we scored it a few seconds too early. Mm. And, um you know, maybe just a second too early. I mean, that's how crazy this stuff is. But you know what? Just, um, you know, as a person of faith, I, I just always think that there's a reason for everything, and I think there's opportunity to learn in everything you go through. And, you know, it's sometimes you look at life, and for whatever reason, we, we seek comfort, and, and we want to avoid hard. But when I when I really analyze the 39 years of my life, the most growth that I have is, is during suffering and during difficult. And, you know, that was my message to the team the next day. Like, this is this is either going to be a stepping stone or it's going to be a stumbling block. And the choice is going to be up to the people in this room. And we're not going to sit around and bellyache about this. You know, you're going to get a lot of text messages saying we deserve the win. And I said, you know, the quicker we realize that's not true, the faster we can move on. Because we did deserve to win for 44 minutes and 55 seconds. But the reality is the shot did go in. And we had to acknowledge that. We had to embrace that, and, and we had to be willing to learn from it. And um, I really don't. I, I don't. I don't have any. You know, people said, "Hey, you'll never forget it," and things like that. Like, I mean, I do. I do occasionally think about it, but I don't sit around thinking where would where would I be or where would we be or, you know, this is this is this has been our like I said, this has been our first championship around here since 1991 to go in as the one seed, and um, you know, hey, that maybe that produced that. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe there's an announcement that, you know, we got, we got a $10 million gift for our arena and we're about to, in the next year, we're going to renovate this whole place and do a $40 million project. Maybe, maybe that, you know, the ball being on the one yard line created the momentum to make that happen. You know, like we've seen fundraising support that's at a, that's at a never before level around here. Uh, We've seen home attendance this year. That's been, that's been incredible sellouts and, you know, largest home game attendance at the Wofford game downtown in the history of the program. And so, the way I'm gonna choose to look at it is, hey, yeah, it was hard, but maybe, maybe that was, maybe that was the fire that lit this thing to continue to push it forward. And um, you know, I still, feel, I still feel like we got better days ahead. And um, you know, being in that game Saturday just affirmed that. Like we, we, we've still got ways that we can continue to push this program forward. And you know, we keep making a facility push, and we keep continuing to build resources. And this beautiful city, beautiful campus, great degree. I mean, it's um, we could just be getting started around here. Sure, sure. Last thing, as you look ahead to the tournament, and you guys are at the top, you're the number one seed, so everybody will be gunning for you. And, you know, you got Sanford and Greensboro right there. But as you look through the field, is there a dark horse in your mind, somebody who maybe is down the seating a little bit, but they've played good basketball in uh, January, February, uh, and there's somebody that you got to keep an eye on who could win some games and be a problem uh, later in the tournament. Well, I mean, not not to dodge your question at all, but I mean, I think one thing this league has proven, I mean, that, that really could be anybody, Phil. I mean, it's just it's one of those situations. I mean, ETSU beats Greensboro, you know, on Saturday, hmm. and um, you know, three weeks ago, Greensboro beat ETSU by thirty, hmm. and so it's it's one of those deals where. I think the portal is going to create a lot of this. I think what you're going to see is like consistency is, is is going to be a little bit more 
layer as we move forward, if this continues to go with all the transitional components, because you're, you're going to have on rosters, you're going to have enough talent to beat certain people on certain nights. Do you, do you have enough consistency to do it, you know, most nights, right? And so it, I don't think it's going to be clear cut, like, hey, look, this team's going to walk over this team and this team's going to lose them all and this team's going to win them all. I think, I think because of the portal, it, it's going to be like, you know, you, you got a lot of rosters that are building quick. You got a lot of rosters that are building fast. So on certain nights, it all is clicking, right? But, like, is, is the wiring of the team strong enough to where you can have a sustainable, consistent effort with that. And so I think for us, we, we just got to make sure, sure, people are going to be gunning for us. That's fine. Um, but we got we to gotta, we gotta hunt. You know, we can't walk around saying we're the hunted. Like, we, we got to be the aggressor. You know, we're the one seed. Like, we got to go in there, and we got to make sure we're giving people our best shot. And, and I think that's where we've got to make sure, you know, what does that look like? Well, we, we feel like in 31 games, we kind of have an idea, like, what does our best look like? And we got to go out there instead of worrying about the pressure of this. We just got to worry about, hey, let's go try to just get to us. And let's go try to get to what that looks like. And let's go play our best ball and let's go have fun doing it. Uh, Paladin fans going to jam the arena up there, going to travel big to Asheville? That's the plan. You know, that's the plan. We, we've, we've had, we've had a, our, our fan base has really grown. And, um, you know, there's a lot of energy around this right now. And um, I've never had this issue as soon as you were calling me, actually. You know, usually we get, you know, 100 tickets or whatever, and, you know, we're trying to find people to utilize them. Mm-hmm. And um, each year it's grown, but my, my ops guy just handed me a list and told me that we're 96 ticket request over. Um, and so, you know, we've, we've got, we've got some, we got, we got to call 96 people and let them know that we, we can't, we can't give them tickets. That's <laughs> hey, great. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I mean, we got 190, we got 196 people on this list and, you know, in the, in the past, I can remember this list had 50 people on it. You know, it's just so, I think we're going to have a pretty good contingent up there. Typically the tournament grows each day. Uh, I'm hoping any Furman fans that are listening tonight, you know, that, that we, we home court advantage is up for grabs. And um, we need to make sure that we have a presence at noon on Saturday because you got to treat this as basically three one-game seasons. And um, we just got to go give everything we got to this game on Saturday and uh, find another way to put that jersey on the next day. Well, I, I don't know how much you look at brackets because, I mean, in your situation, it really doesn't matter. You win, you're in, you don't, you're not. Uh, and, of course, Lenardi, he's got you in as the 14 seed in Greensboro uh, to play Tennessee who lost their starting very fine point guard last night. So at least he thinks you're going to win the tournament and get in. Well, I mean, it's, um, I, you know, I don't pay attention to a ton of that, but, you know, it is it is neat to see that, that people are expecting that and believing that could happen. And, um, you know, now we just got to go at this one at a time and enjoy it and, um, you know, see if we can be sitting there fortunate enough Monday night to be cutting down those nets. Well, good luck to you. Uh, we thank you so much for being with us. Congratulations to you and your players uh, winning the honors and winning the uh, regular season championship. Fantastic for the program and for the university. I know how big the basketball program and how important it is to uh, Furman. So best of luck, and uh, we'll talk to you again uh, perhaps next week about getting ready for an NCAA game uh, in another week or so. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great. Well, I always appreciate you having me on, Phil, and uh, look forward to talking again. Thank you, Coach. Always a pleasure. Take care. All right, Bob, uh, Bob Ritchie, uh, coach at Furman, and he has just done a, a fantastic job there. Just look at his record. Uh, he's done a tremendous job 
at Furman and uh, kept it going, kept it going and, and, and building on it as well. And tough, tough loss, tough end of the season as far as the uh, Southern Conference Tournament last year, as we talked about, and uh, no doubt energized and invigorated and fired up about the opportunities to uh, get to the NCAA Tournament this year. 24-7, and 15-3 and in the conference this year. So they've had a great year. Mike Bothwell, first-team all-conference, 18 points a game. Jalen Slauson, player of the year, uh, 16 points per game, about seven uh, rebounds per game. So he's an excellent player from down in the low country. All right, thanks to Coach Ritchie for being with us tonight. Pat, how are we doing? I am holding things together right now with a nice mix of bubble gum and duct tape, just <laughs> just counting down the minutes to 8 o'clock. But that was a great interview. Glad we were able to get a hold of Coach. Phone lines do seem to be working for mm-hmm. any, any of our listeners out there who would like to join it may be slightly an issue with our phone number. I'd like to give another number to our listeners out there. If you'd like to be a part no, of the program. It's ringing. But oh, I can't explain it All right. quickly. But Do what you're doing. Only, somehow only some people are able to get through. This number, everybody will be able to get through. 803-799-8255. That's 803-799-8255. Or 799 Talk is what that turns into. But eight zero three seven nine nine eight two five five. If you'd like to join the program tonight, we'd love to have you. Unfortunately, uh, we've had to go commercial free, right? Because we can't get to our spots because they're in the computer that continues to. And look at the lines blowing up. You said, "What did you offer to give away money to?" <laughs> I mean, come I, on. I must have. But now, right away, for if, if you can hear me right now, we've got. Bruce in Missouri. We've got Hank in Columbia, Andy in Columbia, and Tiger Bryan in Lancaster. Look, you know, first people of have all, been trying to get there. It, Thanks, it's, it's pretty sad that you know people by their phone numbers, okay? It's pretty sad. Well, no, I, we have regulars. I like to look after our regulars. And also, I made it a point to save their names into the phone system. So when their number pops up, I have oh, caller ID. So we can actually <laughs> avoid certain callers. Is that what you're saying? By no, I would never do that. No. But technically, I guess I could, but no. All right, well, let's fly to the... Fly to the phones, as they say. Uh, who's first up? <laughs> Guys, we're going in the order they came through. First up is Bruce in Missouri. Okay, Bruce, you're a lifesaver. Welcome into Sports Talk. How are you? Well, I'm not a lifesaver. I, I try to analyze lifesavers. Um, just checking on the calendar about the full moon. It's, it's not till the 7th, so you're clear <laughs> Of the three days before the full moon, <laughs> three days after the full moon, yeah. so you're clear of that. I'm practicing. But, you know, I'm practicing for that day. Well, this is coming now, but uh, yeah. you know the eyes of March is on you. That's true. Ain't no doubt. That's the point. Ain't no doubt. Yep. 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 What else is on I'm your mind? To, well, y'all sound good. I'm just, I'm just listening, enjoying yeah. the show. Well, we just, even though you, you know, we don't like do to bellyache. I do. You know, we look <clears throat> real professional broadcasters, which from time to time we are. They don't mention when they have issues, technical issues. They just work around it, and they try to be as smooth as possible. The problem is we can't work around this because the computer that continues to update contains all the elements of our show. And so uh, Pat's had to scramble to get us on the air and get what he can out as best as possible because we can't get our hands on it. But anyway, that's our problem, not yours. Yeah, y'all doing a great job. I'm telling you right now, just keep it up. That's okay, all you sir. Do. Thank you Don't very worry much. Worry about it. Okay, thank you. Great hearing from you. All right, let's move on, Pat. Who's up next? Is it? Uh, well, you see the order. I can't see the order. 
You go ahead. Tell us who it is. Next, we have Andy here sticking in the Midlands, uh, or I guess we were just in Missouri. We're here in Columbia with Andy. Andy, I was watching the Yankees a little bit on television today. We look good. We destroyed the Nationals today. Destroyed them. Well, look who you played. <laughs> hey, we play who's put in front of us. And exactly. we we kicked that butt. We're ready. we're in we're in midseason form. Now, I didn't look at the schedule, but are they having a Yankee Mets uh, um, preseason game um, before the season starts? Do you know? Uh, I haven't looked at the schedule because I pay no attention to it. But I would imagine they would. I would imagine it. Yeah. Now, I think now that they're doing regular season games, that's not as big as it used to be. No, no, no. They got real games to play during the season. Yeah. Uh, Regarding Gigi, I wouldn't be surprised to see him go in the draft, and I think he'd be a person that would be, what do they call him, a two-way? That they can sign to a two-way contract? Correct. Because I think that would benefit him tremendously. If you look at the young man, just like you said, and we've been seeing it all year, by the the 11-minute mark, or if not sooner, in the second half, he is just totally spent, and he is not physically built up. I think with him going to the G League, or you know, where he'll see more playing time and being on a two-way, it'll give him an opportunity to build his cardio, build his body, and to be more of an spend more time on his skills mm-hmm. than being here where you're limited to the amount of time you have, the amount of one-on-one instruction you have, and things like that. Well, let me say this, too. I mean, do you think, does anybody think, Pat, Andy, does anybody think he's a sure-fire player in the NBA next year? When I say that, somebody who can make a roster and be a player and a contributor, does anybody believe that? I mean, I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there rhetorically. Does anybody... In the in in the scouting world, any basketball experts believe he's that kind of a player. He reminds me of PJ Dozier. Someone's feeding him. Bingo, bingo. That was who I was going to get to. Yep. I'm not saying PJ Dozier made a mistake because he's made some pro he money, but you he don't. He did make a mistake. Well, maybe he did. Had he stayed at South Carolina another year and had another big season, he might have been drafted higher and have a more secure spot. But my point is. At that age, you don't want to be the 13th guy on the roster. Uh, and you don't want to be that guy that's traded here, traded there, traded there, um, sent down to the G League, having to work your way back up. Um, maybe if P.J. Dozier had stayed another year in Columbia, you know, he might not have been put in that situation uh, to, to be kind of that journeyman at such a young age, a journeyman in the NBA. Hang on, uh, Andy, we got to hit the break here, and we'll be back. Another day from hell continues here on Sports Talk. I mean, truly, if it could go wrong, it would go wrong. Uh, I'm sorry, T-Mobile. You suck today. I don't know what your problem is, but I can't get a call to connect. I can't get messages to go out. I mean, seriously. 
sorry. And I, I go you. by your store to get my phone. You don't have my phone. I hate to be calling you out. I've been a customer for 21 years. 21 years. How, who stays with a phone company for 21 years? That's what they were telling me. I was with them for 21 years. Phil been with them for 21 years. I didn't even know they'd been around for 21 years. Well, they were Sprint. Oh. Okay. Uh, no, they were something else way back then. Mike Morgan connected me with somebody. This was back when cell phones were like just becoming popular. Does that sound about right? 21 years ago? Yeah, actually, um, it sounds about right. Yeah. And I've been with them ever since. But my point is, their service today has just been terrible. I don't know if it's just me or, or my phone. Now, I do have, <laughs> I'm embarrassed to say, but why not? We're, we're spilling our guts tonight. <laughs> I have an S8, all right? This and phone, what are they on now? S23. <laughs> <laughs> that might be part of the problem. But it I, might not be T-Mobile. It might be a little bit more related to yeah, your 15, the, time, 15 phone iterations behind. Telling you. Telling you. I'm starting to lose it here. Okay. Um, back to Who was with us? Andy? Back to Andy? Yes, yeah. that is correct. All right, Andy. We're back at you for a couple more minutes. Thanks for waiting. Oh, shoot. Do we lose him? No, this time it was user error. Now you're with us, Andy. Go, Go ahead, ahead, Andy. I'm oh, sorry. I said I hate to burst your bubble corn, but I have an 8-plus, and it works fine. You have an 8-plus? Yep, on my on my carrier, it works great. You're yeah. talking about an iPhone, correct, when you said an 8S? No, 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 no. I'm talking about a Android. A Sam- yeah. Oh, you have an Android. I think okay. it's Samsung. It Samsung. Is that what yeah. that is? Yeah. I just say a Samsung. I thought you meant an 8SE. No, 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 no. This oh, is an S. An S8, a, a Samsung Oh, 8. S8. Oh, I got you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. But so I anyway. an old, old iPhone, and it's still working great on my uh, on my carrier. You might want to go to a one that's um, letters, first letter of the alphabet. It might help you. I won't advertise for it. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> I hear what you're saying. All right, what else is on your yeah. mind? Yeah, you know, the thing with um, PJ and, you know, that, what I was saying, is um, I think PJ made a big mistake because what he would have done here with the program and being the spotlight of the program, I think, would have given him a lot more. I think the thing with um, Gigi is it really doesn't matter if he comes back next year. Well, this is the thing. All kids now want to get out as soon as possible because after the first contract, they start making the big money, correct? Because they want to get that big payday yes they want to get into their contract as early as possible now this is my question um you know people on it you know they're talking that he's a possible lottery pick everybody says that about everybody until they get to the day then all of a sudden all these guys from europe start showing up and a guy that was supposed to be a lottery pick ends up getting pushed down to like 25 26 or one of the first of the um, second round um so that might could be a problem for him if that happened. Yes. Yes. So I don't yeah. know. Don't know what he's going to do. Don't know who he's listening to, who, who who's advising him. And um, But I'm just saying if he were to come back and other members of this team were to come back and then they add a few more pieces here and there, I think they could be a pretty decent team next year. Well, the biggest thing is being able to add somebody. And I'll tell you what, Josh Gray has, is, in my opinion – and what I've watched, and I haven't watched every SEC team out there, but he has to be one of the most improved players in the conference, mm-hmm. considering what he did last year. I'm right there with you, Andy. Totally agree. I mean, I don't know who's working with him or if he's just found something, 
but he's night and day from last year. Last question for you. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you have any update on it's Franks, right, up in Greenville, the offensive tackle. Do you have any um, information? All on quiet you know, on the Franks front. All quiet. Nope, he's not put out a peep since the last hmm. information that we had that he overruled, and he's gone quiet. It's gone silent, and he's obviously having a difficult time making a final decision, or at least, yeah, I think he'll make a final decision in his head, and then he'll announce the date that he is going to announce that final decision. So, in other words, a collective hasn't given him enough money to sway his decision yet. I'm not suggesting that whatsoever. <laughs> well, I'm suggesting that the South Carolina collective get out there and throw some cash at him. Well, that's the way, if that's the way the game is played, but be careful. You know, the NCAA, a story came out today. If we have time, we'll get to it. But the NCAA sent a memo to schools this week, according to Sports Illustrated, after Texas A&M put out an announcement back in February about something they were doing with their collective and Lottie D, Lottie Da, and the NCAA sent out another memo to schools saying you cannot use NIL for recruiting purposes, and we are watching and whatever little power we've got left, we will rain it down upon you. So I don't know if they can enforce it. They're telling them schools that you cannot pay the players. You cannot tell them you're going to get this kind of money. You can't give the money from you to a collective to give to the players. Now, again, I don't know how that will ever hold up if if it's going to be challenged. If the Supreme Court says basically you got to pay them, how can you – how can you say where the money's coming from? It's got to be a free-for-all. It's a free market. It's got to be a free-for-all out there, doesn't it? Unless you go get, unless college sports goes and gets some kind of relief from Congress, like the uh, the, the original professional leagues have, and uh, get, what is it, antitrust type of a situation that would protect them from various labor rules and things like that that I don't really have a grasp of but i would think that if somebody if somebody wanted to challenge it and say you know hey this money it doesn't matter where it comes from whether it comes from the school's coffers or the fans coffers or whatever it should be coming to us and and there shouldn't be a block on it from the ncaa i would think they would lose that in a heartbeat i'd put a lot of money on there being a collective bargaining agreement in collegiate sports within the next three years or so maybe Mm. five at the most but you got to think at some point there will be some kind of organized body representing all of the NCAA athletes and coming together with some sort of revenue share model or some kind of kind of strict regimented rules for all this. With the Daniel Snyder stuff going on right now, hmm. Congress isn't too fast to be giving away any more antitrust stuff to any leagues with the debacle that's going on with the NFL right now. Yep. And I'm glad while you were telling that NCAA story, I had my feet up on the desk because the BS was piling up very high <laughs> from what the NCAA says. That's what so they do. Clear. That's what but, they you know, do. Snyder's in some big trouble now, too, with that loan thing. Have you heard that? Oh, yeah, the, the thing about his plane and everything, about charging the team for putting uh, his – uh, putting their name on his plane and 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 recouping money from from the team without the other owners knowing about it. Oh yeah, yeah. I think he took out a big loan without the other owners knowing about it. Yeah. that's a big, big, big issue. Also, that man, all he's doing is boiling himself more in hot water. Yes, he is. We got to run. Thank oh, you very much. Evening, Appreciate it.
Good hearing from you. <clears throat> uh, where are we going to go next? Next, we are going over to Lancaster. And just so you guys are waiting on hold, we'll know the order here. We're Tiger, Tiger Brian in Lancaster next, and then uh, Hank in Columbia, and then Bobby over in Casey. Please be patient. We'll get right to you. And, hey, we're commercial-free the rest of the way. <laughs> well, I don't want our advertisers to think we're happy about that. I'm not happy about that whatsoever. I'm not either, but hey, more time for our for our callers. That's true. Uh, go ahead, uh, Tiger Brian. Uh, oh, I'm trying to wake up. You might put me to sleep with glass on. My God, hey, hey, I got the same phone you got, Cole. Mine works fine, but yeah, yeah. It's, uh, what do you have? What's your I'm phone? Going, What's your phone? What's your phone? It's a uh, uh, Android eight. Uh, uh, but, uh, Android eight. What do you mean an Android eight? S eight. You got an S eight. Yeah, S eight. Hey, but you know it's operating error. <laughs> it ain't operating. I can't get a call to go out. I can't get a text message hardly to go out. It's just been crazy. Somebody, all well, day. you know what? Hey, nowadays people be, you know, they got these young these young people know, you know, they, they be uh, once in a while. Mine say I ain't got no SIM card in it. I can't get no calls out. Yes, you know? I mean, but you know, it's the system. This nowadays. You can't hardly walk across the road without getting, uh, you know, signals or something. Anyways, mm. I ain't I didn't call for no phone, you know. But uh, I'm gonna tell you what, my boys played hard last night against Virginia, mm-hmm. and Virginia's got a good defense. I mean, they got a heck of a defense. Cause I, when they was that, we was down about twelve. I just I went in the house because I got a little man cave on the back deck, and I was watching it. And oh, you got a little man cave? You got a little man cave? Oh yeah, oh yeah. What you yeah, what you, you what you got in the man cave? Well, I got a refrigerator with cold beers in it. Mm-hmm. I got you know a TV. You know, how how of, big's the TV? I, I got a forty six inch out there. Nice, know. nice, mm-hmm. nice. Yeah, I mean, but you know, I, I we was getting beat like you know. Redhead stepchilds. I went in the house then while talking. <laughs> yeah, don't 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 use that expression. Sorry, I'm a oh, redhead. redhead? <laughs> yes, sir. Oh well, you redhead. I mean, I, I, I would whoop you like a redhead stepchild. Oh, there you I'm go. Right. I'm just teasing, anyways. But yeah. <laughs> hey, but uh, I I went in. We, I come back out. We was down to uh, we didn't get the four. I was like, oh my word, mm. you know what I mean? But but they played hard. But we missed a lot of threes and uh, and this weekend with the baseball team. I, I'll be proud if we can get one out of two against Gamecocks. You you, you yeah. think you think the Gamecocks have have that kind of an edge? Yeah, why they hitting home runs? Yeah, mm-hmm. of our pitching. I mean, I I mean, I just say I'll be proud if we get one. We don't get sweet. Hey, if they don't pull the broom out, I'll be happy. Yeah, but well, but I yeah. think I give South Carolina. Definitely the edge in starting pitching right now. Now, Ammons might throw a good game for Clemson against him. I guess he's going to pitch Friday night, but he's going to be facing Sanders. And, um, I mean, that could be a, a good pitching matchup. Um, who can produce some runs there? Now, look, Caden Grice can turn it around in a hurry for Clemson and, and get the Tigers on the board uh, at any time with his power. Uh, Wright's been swinging a pretty good bat for him. But South Carolina right now has outstanding numbers, but we don't know if they can do that against uh, you know better pitching like they're going to see <clears throat> this weekend against Clemson. But I would yeah. I would give the edge to South Carolina right now based on what we've seen to this point in the season. 
I'm gonna give a shout out to uh, uh, last night. Uh, not last night. Yeah, yesterday evening when the uh, state beat cuts in baseball. The old boy down here, I raised him about it. Beaufort High School guy, uh, Tyler Bisbee, played for upstate. He played center field. He played for Coker for a year or two, a year, and then he went upstate. Outstanding young man and a heck of a ball player. He's a good baseball player. He pitches. He, he, can, he can play anywhere. He can play everything but the bat boy. <laughs> Hey, that's pretty good, mate. They put out some athletes up your way, even going oh, back yeah. to your day. Uh, I I got one more thing. I'm gonna let everybody. I ain't gonna I ain't gonna do like the last one. Spend ten fifteen minutes. Yeah. Hey, what about my hey, Lancaster Bruins playing tomorrow night? Armo for uh, basketball championship. Hmm. You didn't I, even know that, did you? Uh, well, I probably did had I looked at it. But uh, if you're playing Irmo, I mean, I don't don't really like your chances. Well, I'll tell you what, we got some athletes, but I'll tell you, they, they don't count out Langston Bruins. Okay. Okay, I'm going to ride with you on that. We'll see what happens tomorrow. We got to roll, and we thank you. It's right. always great hearing from you. All right, y'all have a great day, man. Yes, sir. We Take care. You. Thank you. All right, I got to do recruiting here in a moment. Let me update the women's tournaments. Uh, SEC in Greenville, the play-in games – I shouldn't call them that. They they frown upon that. They like to call them first round. But they're playing games because you were the worst teams in the league, and you're not in the real tournament until you win these games. Uh, A&M beat Vanderbilt 77-70, and Kentucky beat Florida 72-57, and there was a brawl in that game. Players were ejected. I'm just reading some of the headlines. Man, but sorry, there was in a, the women's side? In the women's game. Yeah, this wow. is Kentucky-Florida women, and there was a brawl. In that game. I love it. Bring it on, ladies. That's right. March Madness. Here we are. Uh, ACC, of course, the Clemson women beat Pittsburgh 71-53. Can they make the tournament? If they win the tournament. (laughs) That's not what I mean. Can they make the tournament without winning the tournament? Let's see. Clemson was, uh, well, they're 17-14, a 7-11. They might make something. Maybe the women's NIT or something like that. Uh, Let's see, what else do we have for the women? So Clemson has one, and where are the rest of the scores here for the – is that the only score? Let me see. Women's basketball, women's basketball. Obviously, I don't look it over here a lot. Okay, Wake Forest beat Virginia 68-57, and Clemson beat Pittsburgh 71-53. And Boston College is leading Georgia Tech 43-53. 28. So there's three games in Greensboro for the women. we got to do recruiting. Real yes, fast, I am, huh? I'm looking at the bracketology right now on the women's side. I do not see Clemson currently projected either in or, well, to be frank, quite close. They're not in the mm-hmm. last four in, uh, next four, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But one other thing that does jump out at me, though, is uh, they have the South Carolina Gamecocks as the number one overall seed currently slated to play number 16 seed Wofford. Hate to see two in-state teams play in the opening well, round, I but uh, kind of nice be, to see the Terriers. That'll be a hundred to twenty. I was going to leave that part out, but yeah, but still, either way, nice to see uh, two in-state. Well, schools. I don't think Wofford wants to play South Carolina, but I can see that. I mean, I see what you're saying, but that would be it's going to be whoever they play, whoever's 16 seed. 
they play is going to be, you know, run out of the gym. I'm sorry. It's just the way it's going to be. All right, let me give you the recruiting report brought to you by Seawells. And don't waste the week. Make sure you get over to Seawells for the daily luncheon buffet. Once again, tomorrow, it's 11 to 2. And it's only $13. And we'd love to tell you what's on the menu, but we can't get to it on our computer. So we'll just tell you that you know it's going to be good, and it's going to be fresh, and it's going to be uh, nicely displayed. And you can fill yourself up for a tremendous low price of $13 from 11 till 2. And we remind you for the very best in the catering business, that too is Seawells. Their phone number is 803-771-7385 online at SeawellsCateringSC.com. So Clemson got the commitment today from running back David Eziomume, 6'1", 200, Suwanee, Georgia, picked the Tigers over Georgia Tech in the final analysis. And he's the sixth commitment for their 2024 group. And he said that he just really loved the coaches, family-oriented. C.J. Spiller, thinks C.J. Spiller can really take him and mold him into something special. He wants to make a run. Oh, the computer. <laughs> the at, computer. At 7.53, the computer is now finally usable. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Anyway, where was I? I just saw that happen. Uh, yeah, he wants to make a run at the ACC rushing record set by the Tigers' Travis Etienne, 4,952 yards, 70 touchdowns. So it's a great fit for him. Uh, he had South Carolina, West Virginia, Wisconsin, Southern Cal, Florida State, Auburn, Nebraska, West Virginia, Pitt, Arkansas, Miami, and Vanderbilt as other offers. He went to junior days at Georgia Tech and Clemson. South Carolina, one of the schools on the short list with defensive end Booker Pickett, 6'4", 205 of Tampa, and he is a quarterback-eating machine. He had 30 sacks last season alone. Keep in mind, the Gamecocks, as a team, last season had 20 sacks as a team, and Pickett had 30 by himself, 52 over the last two seasons. That's why Sterling Lucas of USC is on him very hard, and he went up to South Carolina last summer. He loved it, and he loves hearing what he's hearing from Lucas and from the coaches, building that relationship and feeling good about South Carolina right now. He's also got Miami, Florida State, Georgia, Tennessee, Ohio State, Penn State, Southern Cal, and Louisville on the short list. He went to Miami for a junior day in January, and he's looking at visits to Southern Cal and Ohio State this spring. He plans to visit USC again as well, and he's going to – He's going to bracket that visit with one to a Georgia as well. Uh, USC offered safety Makai Danzi of Tallahassee, 2025 receiver Jaden Anderson of Virginia Beach, and 2026 receiver David Rodriguez of Providence, Rhode Island. Defensive end Darian Mayo of Olney, Maryland, has offers from USC and Clemson. He's at Maryland today. He was at Clemson in January. Wide receiver Ryan Wingo of St. Louis, offered by USC and Clemson, plans to visit Alabama Saturday. Florida offered USC commitment receiver Mazio Bennett of Greenville. Tennessee offered 2026 Dillon quarterback Josiah Oxendine. Offensive tackle Mike Williams of Upper Marlboro, Maryland, will visit USC again April 1st. He also was in for their junior day, January 21st. He was at Maryland today, Miami on the 4th, Michigan State, 
on the 18th, Southern Cal April 8th, and he was just offered by Tennessee. Safety Kamari Nix of Kennesaw, Georgia, plans to visit USC March 18th. Wide receiver Jonathan Paler this afternoon named a top eight of USC, Clemson, Alabama, NC State, Colorado, Florida, Georgia, and North Carolina. Last time we talked to him, he had the Gamecocks out front. But right now he said in his tweet, recruiting is open. Those are his top eight. And that, my friends, is recruiting for tonight. Let's see if we can uh, squeeze in a couple of final calls here. If we go quickly, it is uh, Hank in Columbia. Hank, be a hero and go quickly tonight. How are you? I'm doing all right. I wanted to comment on the the, the Gigi Jackson, uh, PJ Dozier conversation y'all were having earlier. Yes, sir. Because I follow I follow the NBA pretty good, and and in terms of Dozier, just quickly, Dozier, yeah, you have to go and look at the drafts. Uh, not many, um, not many juniors get picked in the draft coming out of college, and so him coming back, the the issue was with Sendarius and those leaving, what he would look like that last year. I think was more so in and and he's you know right now he's playing for the Sacramento Kings. Yeah. Um if you if you follow. So he's he's been playing pretty well. I mean staying in the gig. And as far as Jackson, the last five mock drafts I've seen and some of them have been posted within the last 2 days have him as high as 11 and the lowest one I've seen him has been 16. So if he's going to be a first round draft pick which goes all the way to pick 28 29 all that's guaranteed. The first, the first round draft pick, even if he's twenty fifth, he's going to get seven million. And whether he goes, whether they play him two way or G League or whatever, your first round draft picks, that contract is set in stone for that first three years, mm-hmm. and then they have the extension year. And so, and that's under the old collective bargaining agreement, which would end after he was drafted, which is one of the reasons he ended up at Carolina, because um, the reclassify was after coming out of the NBA camp and the, and the stuff he got from Silver. So I, th- I think you're not going to see him here because even though we talk about what he looks like at South Carolina, they call it draft potential for guys that young. And when you're watching these broadcasts, these guys that have played in the league, like Slay and all of them, they all say he's a pro. They say he's got pro moves and the NBA looks at him not for what he's doing for Carolina or even not for his maturity, but for pulling him and seeing what they can do when they have him full time for a year. Well, I think he – I mean, he's got such unique skills and such a unique skill set. I could see why the pros would covet him, a big guy like that who can handle and who can shoot. And uh, But is he – does he show the physicality? Does he show the uh, intestinal fortitude to be able to well, handle the corn. NBA? Think about this, corn. When the pros – remember when the pros drafted Jermaine O'Neal? Mm-hmm. Remember, he sat on Portland's bench – for two years, remember he was real skinny, real real thin. He was tough, but he sat on Portland's bench for two to three years, I believe. He never saw a game, right? And then you know they developed him because they looked at potential. And then he became an All Star for like the next twelve or thirteen years when he went to Indiana, was the face of the program. Mm-hmm. So they, when I listened to a pro scout talk about Gigi the other day, even with the rant and everything, and he said they look at a kid with his skills and potential, and they draft him for pro potential. Yeah. Okay, we'll see what happens. You're probably right. I mean, it, it would certainly, if he's got those kind of 
of thoughts running through his mind, and that's what he's hearing. I don't think there'd be any doubt then that he would jump and go ahead to the league and get that started. All right, thank you, uh, Hank, and thank you, everybody, for hanging in there with us. Hopefully, fingers crossed, we'll be whole tomorrow night and ready to rock and roll. In the meantime, you have a great night. We'll see you tomorrow.